I think I'm in that stage where in like two to three years, I'm going to look back at this year of my life and be like, that was the year that catapulted me to my goals. There's a time for it. And, and that's my argument to people. They're like, why do you work so much? And I'm like, I feel like this is my opportunity. This is my window. And then I'm going to chill out in two to three years. Everybody want to get the bag, but y'all don't really know what it's going to take. Trying to figure out how to start now. Blue gems, let us show you it all. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome, Andrew. Such a pleasure having you on. You are a true professional, and I greatly admire that about you. So, ever since that man, we've been in touch yeah. and, and in talks. And so, so super happy and grateful to have you on. Um, we'll kind of dive a little bit into how you got into real estate, what you're up to, your story, whatever you want to talk about, just to kind of give the audience an idea of who Andrew is. Cool, very cool. I'm just gonna add that we actually met on the phone. We did, yep. You were looking to buy a property up in, up in Cleveland, in, in Tremont. We started talking about a loan and it turned into more than a loan. We talked about IRAs. Yep. <laughs> how to finance the down payment fees. <laughs> we got more people on the phone. We were conferencing. We talked about fees. And then we got into, hey, what's going on with Airbnb regulations up there? Yep. Is this a wise Ooh. move to make? Agent was pushing a little bit. But I was always on your side, like, this has to be right 100%. for you guys. And like you said, we we've, there was a good connection. It was such a good connection, I moved down to near Orlando to be closer <laughs> to you. No, that was just, uh, right. that was just the, the, the side benefit. Um, we moved in May last year for some other reasons. But in any case, um, yeah, I started the real estate journey a little late in life. Later in my career, I had a full 25 years in the restaurant business. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I loved, I traveled a lot. I had lived in, in Italy. Um, I lived in Poland. I lived in South America. Um, I was a free spirit, you know, single, enjoying being single. That's awesome. And, uh, you know, I mean, I was getting older and I said, hey, this is this is getting tiring. And I found a great girl. So when I got married, I got married at 43 and I didn't really have any savings. I was living in a crappy apartment. I thought it was a great bachelor pad. She quickly <laughs> showed me that it was not, that it sucked and it was not acceptable. Um, marriage changes a lot of things. Absolutely. As maybe some of you know, yeah. you know. I did want to talk about financing. Oh yeah, because sure, let's, you know we were. That's interesting. That's too. that's your background. Plus, mm -hmm. it also relates to STRs. So yep, it sure does. Let's talk about how you finance the Sanford deal and kind of run through that process real quick. Yeah. So obviously, as a DSCR lender, you know there's actually different terms that float around. the The most common term and the longest running term is hard money lending. Um, Hard money lending does have some certain negative connotations and limiting um, connotations to the term. Limiting for me, for sure. Yeah. you say that, I'm like, wait, that's the same. Yeah, hard money DSCR, I'm like, whoa. <laughs> hard money generally thought picks up a dilapidated house, right? Needs rehab. This is a fix and flip loan, essentially. Right, right. Right. Short term. Bridge, Short term. Yeah. Um, the, the negative is, oh my gosh, you know, rapacious um, interest or loan sharks. Yeah. Um, so definitely some, some ideas in the minds of most people. And so really private money lending is more the term that we want to use. So there are 
Like, for instance, uh, American Association of Private Lenders, I'm a member of that. There's certification, there's industry events, education, lobbying, legislative uh, arm of that. Um, and pri it encompasses all the type of lending. It encompasses the fix and flip, short-term bridge loan. It encompasses the long-term loans, you know, the rental purchase or the rental refinance. It could also be a commercial deal as well. So it's really all that money that's not um, Fannie, Freddie, bank, conventional lending is, is, is the, 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 the broader industry. So private money, it's also called commercial um, lending because it goes to a business entity. And the property cannot be under your own name and title. It's made to a business entity. It stays off your credit uh, report. Um, much easier, looser um, seasoning um, requirements. Um, less scrutiny. Um, so it's a it is an asset based. In other words, it goes off the asset. Is it producing? Will it pay the loan? And then the borrower, um, how's their credit? And then do they have enough money to do this? It's really the the qualifying factors. Do they Much need, easier underwriting. Yeah, definitely. Do, do they? You said they need certain money. Like, is it six months reserves? Is that a year reserve? Uh, uh, for short know? term, it's just cash to close, and then um, your reserves to start the rehab in in that buffer there, and seeing some of the rehab funds in your account. Okay. You'll get refunded, but if you got no more money, how are you going to start this project? And if something goes, you know, over, or you run into an unexpected expense, whatever that is, it could wipe you out, and now the loan is in jeopardy. Um, for the long-term loans, generally also cash to close, or if it's a cash out refinance, um, they'll take that out of the loan proceeds, but they still want to see that six months of reserves. Um, so it's make sense lending, it's asset-based lending, um, and uh, we like to say private private lending. Makes sense. And yeah. what is the threshold there that you're looking for? Is it 1.25 over the debt service? Like, how do you determine the ratio of a uh, good deal versus a bad deal? Yes, safe. Um, commercial will go down as far as 1, 1. 1.0. Wow. Um, usually in the smaller residential, 1 to 4 units, 1.15. But like anything else, you know, it depends on the lending climate. Um, so in the last, as the, you know, since COVID, but even before COVID, lenders have to compete to get money out in the street. So if one guy does something where they lessen the requirements, everybody kind of has to fall in line or they're going to lose that business. So, you know, it, it really is. And then when, when it turns back into a, a foreclosure, a buyer's market again, prices fall and then everyone's, you know, looking for money, but money becomes more expensive. Um, then it shifts again. The, the things tighten up. Lending tightens up. So it's this ebb and flow, like just like property. This is kind of like off topic, but um, there was something that you said when you and I first met. Yeah. And um, I want to bring it to attention because deserving so, um, I, th I think all lenders deserve this, right? All brokers, lenders. There was a point in time you and I were still getting to, to know each other, right? Yeah. And I'm taught as an investor to try to save as much money as possible. Sure. Yeah. You know? I remember so, this conversation. Yeah. Yep. And I say, you know, Andrew, do you think that, um, you know, you can come lower on your points, mm -hmm. your broker points? Yeah. And you said, well, it's crazy because no one ever asked the agent or the realtor to lower their commission. Why would I do it? You know, like, mm -hmm. like I yeah. still have to make money. I'm still doing a really good job and providing you value. Right. And I didn't argue with you. I said, no, you know what? that's a yeah. great point. I respect that hundred percent, but I'm conditioned as an investor. Bigger pockets Absolutely. tells yeah. me, Robert Kiyosaki yeah. tells me, try to save as much money as possible right. and try to do it, you know? So 
for all of the listeners out there, I want them to know from your perspective, like you shared that to me. And ever since then, I've always respect that about not just you, but all lenders. You guys are hustling and making, uh, you know, great relationships and saving mm -hmm. us tons of money. So sure. I wanted yeah. to highlight that because you guys are deserving of that. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's funny because maybe it's the way my mind thinks, but I remember exactly where I was when we had that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I was pushing a cart in Cleveland in the Aldi parking lot. In, <laughs> and um, I, I already liked you and we had had some conversations and I liked that you guys really dug in and we were having longer conversations and bringing people into it. Sure. There was engagement, you know? And I, I think I told you, I don't mind you asking me that, but I'm gonna explain to you why yeah. I don't feel it's fair, you know? And by the way, you can push against uh, brokers and agents. Mm -hmm. It's just a fee structure that's really set in the industry. And so it's much more difficult to get that adjustment. They have much more backing behind them where it's just, no, that is what it is. And you say, well, I'm going to go somewhere else. Well, it's going to be what it is yeah. for them too. So, you know, being cognizant of that, if you're, if you have a relationship and you're doing things, if you're bringing me business, I want to, I want to recognize that and keep the business flowing. So I do cut my fees uh, for repeat investors, but let's do some business first. You know, yeah. the guy that comes first, you know, right. immediately to me and that, you know, I'm not likely to do it. I, I'd actually rather give up the loan because I have to have that value and, and not be resentful if I put in a lot of work and don't feel like I was adequately compensated for it. So it is a conversation and some people know how to ask for it and some don't. And I think, um, I can immediately tell when an investor um, is asking the wrong questions. So if they immediately focus on the rate, I know I'm probably not going to do a loan for them because by hitting that first and keep, and for them to keep talking about it indicates that that's the most important thing for them. It's their pain point. And I'm not going to compete on rate. I don't. I'll be upfront about that to anybody and say, I'm probably not the guy for you. You know, you will get the lowest rate if you go directly to the bank, the credit union, and you get the bottom rate of, you know, you know, Fannie and Freddie that they can give out, the very bottom market rate. What I am going to give to you is so much more than that. First of all, that loan in an LLC that serves a business person purpose protects your property legally, helps you with your your tax, the tax benefits of that. Second of all, um, you can have numerous mortgages. The bank is going to, your debt, debt to income ratio is going to limit you on how much lending you can do with the bank because they keep coming back to you as a borrower and it's a, it's a tough underwrite. They're, they will really scrutinize you and put you through the ringer to get this loan. Um, ours is a much easier process and you can stack up these mortgages. There's no limit. You can build a huge portfolio pretty quickly using private lending. So that's, you know, number two. Number three, I'm not just a guy in a bank who's just going to get you this loan and that's it. See you later. If you ask, oh, well, you have any recommendations for a guy to do my roof? Dude, I'm just doing your loan for you. What are you talking about? Whereas, you know, the out-of-state out investor with me, they're going to get a recommendation for a roofer that maybe I've used or people that I know is trustworthy, still vet them and everything, but on a short list of this guy's going to do good work. Hey, I need help with a an attorney who can review my entity and maybe do an eviction if I need them. I don't want to pick somebody out of the phone book 
we don't have phone books anymore. <laughs> Off of Google, I'm, dating, I'm aging myself. <laughs> Off of Google or something, I'm like, no, you need to talk to somebody. If you tell them I'm referring you, you will get, you know, you'll they'll do your 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 legal work right away as a favor to me, et cetera, et cetera. Or you know, I'm looking in this neighborhood. Oh, I I really wouldn't do that. Are you dead set against buying there? Why do you want to buy there? Tell me your reasons for investing in that D-class neighborhood which is going to cause you a world of hurt going forward. And that phantom return, you know, that return you think you're going to get. It's good on paper. It looks great on paper, but life. property destruction, evictions, crime. Like, do you really want headache, to be doing headache, this? Headache, and yeah. difficulty in financing those. Yeah. So they go, oh, I hadn't really thought about it that way. Well, I only have this much to spend. Well, you can do a BERT loan with this and leverage that money. That's what I'm here to help you get into a property at this do some rehab with a local crew, turn around, refinance it, get most of your cash back, and do two or maybe three of these next year instead of one in a bad area. Yeah, and the credit union is not going to tell me any of those things. They're not going to tell you that. that it it's mean, just, here's your, here's your loan, sir. Yeah. I care about you because I want repeat business. Most mm. of all, I was in your shoes. I want to see, I care about if you're successful. If I don't care and you fail... How do I like keep going? And I don't want to say how do I live with myself, but I'm not going to feel good at the end of the day. I want to see everybody go in and kill it because there's plenty of pie to go around. And then they're gonna they're gonna push my name out there as, hey man, that Andrew guy. I mean, he'll talk to you about finance, but he's going to give you a lot more than that. You got to talk to him if you're buying properties right. in X you know market. Yeah, that's what I want to do. And I felt that you know just in the, in the short period of time that we were. Uh, underwriting that Tremont deal, and yeah. I'm kicking myself, kind of. I, I still should have pulled the tr trigger. That Maybe was, that you was did a, other things. Yeah, that and, was a good and you're deal. You're doing though. great with that, it. That was a good deal. It but, was. It, it was. Yeah, but um, yeah, you were so. you were excellent. You know, even whenever I was like, hey, you know, do you have any STR property managers? You were a big, big resource and worth every single penny that you were and charging. And I, I talked to you all about Airbnb regulations. What was the likelihood yep. of those being actual? Yep like difficult to work with or what was just being talked about or was only going to be enforced and not really enforced 100%. and can slide under the kind of under the radar with operation of it. We had a long talk about that. Yep. And that was knowledge of the local market and doing, I was going to do a loan on something that I knew that I did myself. So it wasn't like, oh, fine, I would never buy that building. But I'll right. finance it for you. That's something I loved about him too, because I was you know? like, "Oh, you're in the trenches." Yeah, he had yeah. 13 Experience. SDRs, and I was like, "Wow, this is incredible!" Like I landed the goldmine of of lenders, you know. Right. So yeah, it was. After I asked that question, I was like, "I'm, you know what? <laughs> yeah, he's yeah. he's earning his money for sure." So, so how did you respond good. to that question on that initial call? Um, you know, I, I just I did what I just did. Yeah. I explained the value of what I do and how I needed just to make a minimum to run my business. Yeah, it was Got a it. super simple conversation. Yeah, and like, so you know, and and that was it. And said, you know, I it you you will you will get a cheaper loan, cheaper process, going directly to somebody. But you're on your own. Right. So it's always that balance. It's that trade off. And I know guys, experienced investors, who just wouldn't take a loan with me. And I'm not sore at them at all. Yeah. They're, uh, they're great friends of mine. You know, I had a guy call me the other day and he, we were talking about this and that. And he was kind of asking me and I'm like, Isaac, I, I, know, I know you're not going to take the loan because you're, you're too smart. And you, you would kick yourself if you did that. You always want to go and do that. And he does. He, he does his own financing and he's got a team. He's got an office, you know, and whatever. 
And I'm like, it's no sweat off my back. I actually just like shooting the breeze with you. I like you as a person, an investor. I'm happy to give you some insight into this financial question you had, but don't feel bad for not taking a loan with me. That's just not, it's not in you to do it. So, um, but a lot of other people aren't where he is. And, and he's been in, in the trenches too for a long time. So he knows how to go out and get that loan. Um, but, you know, like I say, like I'm not hurting for business and I, I don't ever want to feel like, you know, I'm upset if I can't do a loan. Right. I, I want to do the best I can um, at whatever I take on. I want to take on and do the best job I can. I don't want to, you know, take on too much and not perform. I hate that and I wouldn't do that. And I also feel like, you know, if leveling up and taking on more business and growing too quickly comes as a, you know, and as a result of that, my family life suffers or my personal life suffers or I'm, I get grouchy and happy because I'm working too much or under too much pressure. I've been there. I never want to go back to that place again. It was a terrible, horrible place to be. And, you know, just speaking freely, when we lost those two flips, you know, my personal life, me with my wife, our finances, our family took a huge hit and things were really, really rocky. It was a horrible time. To come out the other side and to be successful, I'll never forget that experience. I'll always be grateful for not failing and for not, you know, cracking um, and for being able to overcome, you know, that uh, that difficulty and come out the other side. So I that's kind of like a pain point for me is taking on too much work or being too stressed. I'm like, I, I'm always looking for a way to reduce that and be happy with what I've got be content with what I've got and be thankful for what I've got and saying, okay, do we have room to take on a little bit more? Yeah. Then let's, let's grow a little bit. Or you know what? That was just too much. I'm let's back off. Powerful. Yeah. Yeah. There is a lot of power in that for sure. You know, deciding what your life looks like. Um, tons of freedom in that for sure. Um, I, I'm, I'm cognizant of that for my wife and I, and I do believe that we're kind of growing a little bit too fast to where, you know, my calendar is slammed and I worry about you a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and like, I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, no, I I'm, I'm being honest, you know, and like, you know, just like I'm, I'm relatively OCD about certain things. So mm -hmm. like, I, I can't stand any little red notification on my phone. You know, I want every email answered. I want any type That's of hard. Facebook message answered, but now mm -hmm. I'm so inundated with, with, with stuff that I, I can't get to all of the messages. We live in a world, especially as investors, we're already go-getters, right? We're already in another area of somebody that just, in another class, then if somebody just goes to work and you know watches some TV, they don't have that determination drive. And I'm not judging that. I'm just saying who we are as people. Right. Obviously, to be having this conversation, there's something that motivates and drives us. And it can be good and it can be bad because how to turn that off or how to throttle that back can be difficult, especially on social media with the prevalence of everyone's success stories and level up in this seminar and this, you know, motivational thing there. And that and guru over here this guru, selling you on this. Yeah, it just it can inundate you and you can feel like you're missing out. These guys are learning how to do this. It's just going to catapult their business. How to say like no to that and like nope i'm going to turn that off i don't need to be in that group i don't want to be in that group it's hard i think it's a conscious choice to say remember where we are um where do we want to be you know and and 
you know, will I even really enjoy it if I get to this level that I can't disconnect and can't enjoy the success that I have? But I think that it's something that you need to disconnect and meditate on and take that free time, which is very healthy, to put away your phone, just sit, pray, think, take a walk, um, you know, even while you're eating, just to disconnect and just kind of let your mind drift a little bit and say, okay, you know, we're, you know, we should probably take a vacation this year and enjoy some of the money that we're making and reconnect with each other as spouses. Or I haven't seen that family member in a while. Let's just, let's just get away, you know, put some things in place to handle business while we're gone. But I'm guilty of it myself, you know, and, and I, I have a hard time because we are more successful now that it kind of becomes habit and rote to sit in that seat, take those phone calls, turn, get, get all those notifications and email yeah. cleared and everything real. I'm a little OCD myself. <laughs> and then, but I say, when do I stop? You know, and my little girls come home from school and I can't disconnect and go play with them and have dinner with them. I'm like, this isn't right. So it, it, it reminds me of that one time where I, I get a random text message from you. It's like relatively late. And you're like, hey, uh, I want to take my wife salsa dance. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Where, where can I go? <laughs> Mangoes is pretty good. We actually had a good time that Mangoes night. Mangoes is good. I loved it because, like, you know, he is hustling and he has, you know, a successful business and he's doing loans and SDRs. And, but he has this awesome relationship with your wife. You talk about her all the time. I had the privilege of meeting her. She's excellent. And uh, it's just like, it's super cool that I'm like, there's salsa <laughs> dancing today. Yeah. <laughs> at mangoes. At yeah. mangoes. That's a good time. We used to dance. dance a lot, you know. And then, um, uh, so I used to, before I, I got married, you know, I, I was living like this awesome bachelor lifestyle. I mean, I was in South America for two years. I was tearing it up, man. You know, <laughs> you like go. rafting down rivers and climbing mountains and in, in like carnival parades and whatever. <laughs> Like my life when I came back changed so drastically, so fast, but I didn't have any savings. And, uh, you know, when we first got married, we went out salsa dancing and I had, I had been going a long time before that, but all of a sudden I realized like, whoa, whoa, I can't do this. Like, so I actually started driving for Uber and Lyft. Um, and, and so after the restaurant, those were good times, Friday night, Saturday night after the bars. So it was great to like leave the restaurant job and make a few hundred extra dollars each night. That was at the beginning when you can make some serious bank. Yeah. Not like that. It hasn't been that way for a long time. And then I repoed cars for my cousin. So I was put all that money away and I'd go in the middle of the night and repo cars. You know, I was just, so no more dancing. I'm out at two o'clock in the morning driving drunk people or, you know, spotting a car Repoing with a car as well, tow truck, you know. So crazy times, but I hustled and did what I, you know, need to do. Now we can kind of, the girls are a little bit older when they were babies. We couldn't go out. They're, they're six and five now, and we can easily get a babysitter, but now we're like too tired <laughs> and boring to do it. Life is so unfair. We, we've kind of lost some of that youthful energy, but um, no, it, 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 is, it is great and it is fun. And what a cool city to be in, by the way. There's so much around here, you know? Yeah. We love that. We love Orlando. We love Sanford. And I, I'm, you know, I shout it out to you because I like to use local resources and make you like, I'm thinking about, you know, even if you didn't know, right. I said hi to you, yeah. you know, yep. it's a little shout out. Yep. I think that's kind of fun. If somebody messaged me, I'd be like, I love to give referrals and advice. I think yeah. most people do. And you get a little text message, hey, where should we go for this, you know? Yeah. So um, anyway, yeah, I, I like to do that kind of stuff. 
That's awesome. I love it. Yeah, I mean, the work work-life balance is, is something that we should all be striving for. You know, I need to get better at it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you you I'm are taking inspiration. Yeah, you're grinding all the time. Like when I I've only seen him grind. I, yeah, I've never seen him do anything else. So, um, yeah, we, we can all take note of that for sure. I think I'm in that stage where in like two to three years, I'm going to look back at this year of my life and be like, that was the year that catapulted me to my goals. There's a time for it. And, and that's my argument to people. They're like, why do you work so much? And I'm like, I feel like this is my opportunity. This is my window. And then I'm going to chill out in two to three years. Like I promise people I'm not going to be working 90 hours forever. a week forever. You know, it doesn't make sense. Right. Because there has to be a goal. Right. You, ha you have a goal and you, right. and you know what you need to do to work towards it. And you're willing to give something up that you're putting in the time now to enjoy the fruits later so we should probably get into the uh segmented portion of the show yeah, yeah. so um i guess the first question i had for our, our standard portion is what made you choose choose short-term rentals as an asset class versus long-term rentals or fix and flip yeah. or wholesale so i did all of those right we started with the airbnb and I think I answered it in the in the main portion because that was um, it was our best return. Uh, we enjoyed doing it the best, and so that's what we circled back to after I tried so many things. And believe me, if there was a, a strategy out there, I wanted to try it. I had shiny object syndrome like nobody's business. And seasoned investors looked at me and were like, "Oh, he's gonna crash so hard. <laughs> oh, this guy." he's got problems. And I did. I wanted to do tax deeds and wholesaling and turnkeys and overseas and fix and flips, you know, Airbnbs and, uh, you know, um, what's that called where you uh, you finance it back to your, your tenant, lease to own. Literally, if there was something I heard on a podcast or a guru or something else, and I remember I had all the all the folders, and I was juggling all that, and I was miserable. So yeah, when things really crumbled, and and when we were in a bad situation, I said we got to get back to basics and focus. What? And it was it was instantaneous. Why don't we do more of the Airbnbs? So and it was it, there the whole time. It was there the whole time. Yeah, that's how so, it always is. That. It seems pulled us out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what What are the other? Um, I don't know the questions yet. <laughs> yeah, no problem. What would be What would be your advice to someone just starting out? So they have no Airbnbs, they haven't done a deal. Would you recommend them to get started in the short term rental game? How would you How would you approach that if you had to go? Yeah, back I mean, in time? I love it, and I think we're still. I still think we're in the growth stage of it. I don't think we've had any kind of penetration for what it's going to be. We can see the shift towards this kind of living and adoption and the world's going more towards that, not away from it. it it's, it's almost like cryptocurrency. I don't care what you try to do to block it or stop it or hate it. You, you can't. It, it's a wave that is going to come and whether you ride that wave or get crushed by it, that's up to you. So um, I, I love them. What would I tell a new investor? Like anything else, you know, inform yourself, stay in some, uh, talk to other investors doing it. Um, and if you're looking at a property, run the financials so that if it works on regular rental income, you always have that to fall back on. Um, don't plan on it making that much money. So we, we experienced that during COVID, during the lockdowns, when we lost all of our reservations in March of 2020. Everything canceled across the board. I really didn't panic. I didn't panic. I don't know why, but I didn't panic. We lost reservations for two weeks. And then I said, okay, what do we do here? Let's slash our rates. Let's do a seven day minimum and see what happens. Boom, 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 boom. They all filled up. 
And that was it. In theory, what I always knew would happen, will we be able to pay the bills? Will they cash flow even on a lower? And they did. And then, you know, things got better from there. So find a property, configure it as a regular rental, and then maybe do um, a double, a duplex or a triple or something. Put two regular tenants in and try one of them for short-term rental. If you're doing an apartment, a small apartment building, six units, rent out five of them and keep one of them for a nurse or something like that and see which one you like better. I would say go all in, but not not necessarily on the commercial property that presents problems on that five units. But on the one to four, let's say just a single family, try it. You know, get some furnishings. You know, you don't have to start with like doing it all new and like a picture out of a, you know, an architectural digest like his beautiful. His wife's design is amazing, you know? So no, it doesn't have to be that. And we always aimed in the lower segment of the market. We wanted, we wanted, we wanted, um, you know, full, uh, uh, what do you call that? We wanted the fewest vacancies we, we could, and we wanted to maximize income. Um, and so since we were really hands-on, we were able to clean in and out, and we really needed the income. So we had to really push that envelope. So we bought cheaper furnishings. It worked for us the way that we did it. I think we've moved beyond that, and we're we're going more towards the luxury or the higher middle to higher end of the market. That brings me into the next question, which is how do you go about selecting a market if you're a new Airbnb investor? Well, knowing what I know, seeing out-of-state investors, out-of-country investors doing that, being involved in uh, turnkey properties to overseas investors, when I first got started, I was working with a guy in England. He was bringing buyers to buy turnkey properties based on return in in what turned out to be really inner city Cleveland. We ended up doing 23 houses in 15 months. It was an amazing learning experience for me, but it was very painful, hard, kind of not very profitable at all, and eventually cut ties. But, you know, I saw the difficulty. These guys buying in, we had Thailand and Egypt and Norway and buyers from all over the world, you know, and they never saw their property. They were never here. They were relying on somebody halfway across the world to do this real estate investment for them. So many of them failed. Property management dropped it and their violations are piling up, vacancies, destruction, just everything you imagine going wrong goes wrong when you're not there. Um, But for me, it was painful to go across town to check up on a property, you know, to go the other side of town. So compiling all those experiences, we kept our Airbnbs within a five-minute radius. And so if we had to respond to a call or run over because there were no sheets and people were showing up and like, hey, we can't find the address, or we walked in and something's wrong, the place is still dirty, what do you do if you're a half hour away or an hour away or a state away? There's not much you can do. And so... I just took all that and be like, really, the property that's really close to you, you know it, you're really readily accessible to it. You know your market because you live there and close to it. You know the people living there, the community. It's just on so many levels, it it made more sense. So I don't try to do anything remote anymore. Everything's going to be really close. We even talked about that, about this current property. What about if we move out of Sanford? Well, we would know now to get a manager, and we'd been through that before, but it's something we already talked about, you know? And this property is close. It's five minutes away. And then the last question is, who or what has been your biggest influence in your STR journey? My wife. 
Um, my wife. I read Rich Dad Poor Dad oh, before we got that. our first house. Yeah. Love that. Love that, that book changed my life. Yep. Um, All three. I love us, him yeah. more now Same. than ever before because he's really. If you watch his radio show, he's so wise about so many things: geopolitics, money, not just real estate. Really, well beyond that, um, he's a very, very wise man. Um, that book was a, a big influence. I'm like, I can do that. Why am I not doing that? And and my wife had also read it, and she was pushing me. So it comes back to her. Um, and then she read you know, it first. She, I think read pieces of it first. Oh, wow. I'm kind of remembering That's that. She, I remember her. She had it. <laughs> I don't think that I bought it. That's funny. But I, I don't know that she was really reading it, but she had heard of it. I. It's hard to backtrack that long ago and figure out. We probably won't have another guest on where their spouse, woman, wife probably oh. had the book before. The I had to get mine to read it after. Start to, to listen to I'm thinking actually stuff. about reading rereading the book. But watch his, watch his podcast. He's talking a lot about... He's talking a lot about what changed after COVID, what accelerated in the world of of finance, the Fed, um, political. It, he's gotten very political now. Safeguarding assets, how to safeguarding it, them in a more totalitarian, uh, you know, atmosphere, and in an inflationary atmosphere where they're just printing money like they're going out of business. They're not even printing it. It's just ledger. They're ledger entries. They're just creating money out of thin air. It's a, it's a scary time. We could be, you know, we're progressing towards if we don't put the brakes on it somehow. So he talks a lot about that and there's investing wisdom in there too, about how to safeguard what you've built against what, what could be coming or what looks like it's coming. This is the rich dad, the rich dad radio show or something. Mm -hmm. That sounds familiar. He's got great guests on. Really, really cool guests. Yeah, his wife wrote a book as well, right? She's super it, smart, Kim. Yeah, she, yeah. For, they're like they're the same. They're business partners as well as that's life cool. partners. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. One thing that I, I do want to um, ask. So, final thoughts. Any advice for people in general? It has nothing to do with real estate. Just like anything you want to share with mm. the audience. Just any closing statements. A blue gem, if you yeah, will. Yeah, yeah, just, just anything. It doesn't well, have to be. Well, I guess kind of reiterate, you know, what are your true assets? You know, dig deep to realize that your life and your health, your soul, your family and, and friends, the immaterial things are really your greatest assets. Um, and safeguard those assets. Protect them. Foster them. You can't, you can't get back time. I kick myself for all the stupid things I've done. But now that I'm older, wiser, have small kids, I'm in that position in life when I'm evaluating and reevaluating all that. And so I realized that like every day is so precious. And when I kind of waste a day, I'm, I, I don't feel good. Um, so treasure, treasure those bonds. Um, take care of yourself. Take care of your soul, because that's what's going to endure for eternity. You know. So look to your soul. And be good and moral with everybody that you deal with. Just be good. Treat them right, respectfully, and honestly. That's it, man. JB dropping blue gems. AG dropping blue gems. New podcast, baby, tune in. We in this thing dropping blue gems.